And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation that I'm hoping helps your business grow. Now, speaking of growing, a lot of people are growing cannabis around the United States anymore. Uh, I'm in my mid-40s, and that wasn't always a legal thing. It didn't mean people weren't growing it, but it certainly wasn't as accepted and legal, and there weren't the varieties of you've got all this different stuff, medical, recreational, hemp, who knows? But one thing that's in common with all of them is that the founders and entrepreneurs that own and operate these companies have a hell of a time doing any kind of marketing around it. We're going to talk all about that today. And before we get too far into that, today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. And with me today, I have Shada Tarabi. And Shada is the CEO and co-founder of Restart CBD. It's an Austin-based businesses, has brick and mortar, they're online. She also hosts a podcast about cannabis marketing. Now, that said, she has some insight on the subject. Shada, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Matt. I'm excited to be here and dive into this very, very exciting topic. Yeah, I'm ready. I, 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 this is an interesting one because of the, the way this is, the whole landscape around this industry has changed. And in some places rapidly, where I'm not, where I live in Kansas, almost not at all. And in some places, you know, like you walk into a store and buy whatever you want. And um, the approach for the way those business owners have to run their businesses uh, really been challenging for a lot of them. And I don't know if everyone knows that story. We're going to hear all about it. But what I'd like to hear about first is a little bit more about your backstory and how you ended up being a subject matter expert on cannabis marketing and CBD. So I would say it probably starts somewhere in high school when I smoked my first joint. That was, you know, just to be blunt about it. Uh, I sure. love cannabis. Yeah, I love pun, pun intended. There? Pun intended. Exactly. Yeah, uh, okay. I'm a good marketer. I'm a good marketer. What can I say? Yeah, yeah. So started out consuming cannabis. Uh, I am born, raised in Texas. So kind of, you know, take with that what you will. Uh, also, Austin is my hometown. We're the live music capital of the world. So I think that, you know, Austin's a little bit more of a friendly space for cannabis exploration. And so I would spend my teen years getting involved in the plant. But then when it really came time to getting my career going, I majored in marketing. I ended up getting a job at a tech startup, actually, which was at the time, they just wanted somebody who knew what marketing was. And I was really eager and excited to get hired by anybody. And so I said yes to uh, a WordPress, a managed WordPress hosting company. And so I joined them as employee 13 and would go on to watch them grow and scale their business to over a thousand employees operating in you know four or five different countries from Austin to San Francisco to New York City to London, Australia, et cetera. And so when I was working in this company, I really got a front row seat to not only watching marketing 
grow and how you can grow a business and what the different facets of marketing are. So from digital to content to branding and building a brand to also watching this company grow from being bootstrapped to going through their funding series and growing really from Austin, Texas and beyond. So I would say that that was a big opportunity that I got to be a part of that I would say laid the groundwork for me to ultimately go and become a founder myself. How I got into cannabis though, again, you know, having this personal passion for it, but I was working in corporate marketing for a tech company, couldn't really publicly come out, especially being in Texas saying that I loved cannabis, nor did I see an opportunity for me to really go work in marketing in the cannabis industry. You kind of touched on it when we were kicking the conversation off. It's legal in some states, and you can walk into a store and purchase products very easily as long as you're of age to states like Texas, where we're just barely getting the CBD conversation going, the hemp conversation going to you know states like Arkansas or Louisiana that I think have even further stricter laws. And so you have this wide spectrum Shade is sitting here, you know, young, young, young adult, not really knowing where her career can interweave into this industry. And I would say another uh, pivotal moment for me was in 2015, I was in a car accident and I was hit by a vehicle as a pedestrian and I fractured my pelvis in two places. And going through that recovery is really what introduced me to CBD as a medicinal you know, plant with higher properties to actually treat and manage things like inflammation. And I had heard that it could help with bone growth and things like that. And so to not get into all those aspects of the story, the kind of, you know, quick and dirty is love marketing, love cannabis, got an opportunity first job out of college to join a very successful tech startup, which I know is not the case for everybody, but that really was an experience that I got to absorb firsthand and then this accident happened to me and there was a period in between the tech company and me founding my own company where I worked for a digital agency. And really the digital agency ended up laying me off, which is what propelled me into going into CBD full time. So we really had a personal um you know, I had a personal affinity with the plant, but now I had this personal journey of using CBD as a way to help heal and manage my pain and inflammation through my recovery. And my mom like a good mother was there to encourage me and say like, Hey, why don't you do something with this? And I think that, you know, it's really from an entrepreneurship perspective, you can have ideas, but actually putting it into practice is really scary. And I think that there's a lot of conversations out there that say, you know, you should don't quit your day job while you're working on your side hustle. And I don't think that that's, you know, black and white for everybody. I think everybody has their own kind of path that they need to take. But for me, I had this fire that I, I was comfortable and confident being in this kind of startup experience and startup momentum, but I didn't really actually know how to start the business. And so it wasn't really until I got laid off that gave me that push to really go forward and actually launch my brand. And so we launched Restart CBD two years ago. We were the um, first local brand to pop up in Austin, Texas. We now just celebrated two years actually this past week of being in business. We have a brick and mortar. We also operate an e-commerce store and uh, we've done all of our own branding, website development and things like that and have really navigated the industry just by being very... Uh, present in its change. You know, it's not like there's a book for this. There's not like there's a, a another company that I could watch. How did they do it in cannabis? Um, and so it was something that we just kind of had to buckle up and, and get ready for the ride. 
So to give a little bit of background for those that may or may not be aware, uh, part of the problem with any business that is operating in the cannabis space is much like Shada mentioned, there's a different set of laws and, and legal issues in every state. Some states are more progressive, some aren't. But the overarching issue is that technically, and even though it's been said to not be enforced by our government and leadership, federally, cannabis is still illegal. And the problem with that is it creates a whole sea of bullshit for those that are trying to operate in the space, just meaning like, uh, and you know, some of this stuff is, any anytime you have a new or burgeoning industry, there's a set of problems that usually have to come along. It's the same thing anytime anything is disruptive. So one of the big issues was at one point, and I'm, I don't know if this is still an issue, it could be, uh, you know, companies in this space, they couldn't even put their money in a bank because banks had to be federally insured. They weren't allowed to uh, own and operate businesses that were technically federally illegal. So just to kind of make that a little uh, straight speak here, it, they put the cannabis people in this. They were like, hey, you're a drug dealer, essentially, and you couldn't put your money in the bank. And that obviously is a big issue. Uh, in Colorado, uh, when it first went, when they first legalized it, I mean, there was, you know, I've seen documentaries where there were people that were like driving around with like van fulls of cash and armed guards. And like that creates a whole different set of problems. The same thing goes in the marketing space, um, you know, and, and uh, in 2016, when questionable election results were produced uh, via different types of marketing, a lot of crackdown came on the mark on any type of marketing platform to follow strict standards and stuff like that. So in the past episodes, and I, I encourage you to scroll through the feed because we have some very interesting past guests that talked about CBD and, and different uh, hemp and stuff like that. And, you know, they all have the same issues, but I mean, some of them literally couldn't even, they'd try to make a Facebook ad and, you know, just declines it, declines it, declines it. So, I mean, what are, what are the, uh, and I'm not even, I, I'm glad you clarified the Texas part because Texas is an interesting anomaly too, because Austin is like a super liberal city in the mid, middle of Texas, which is we kind are. of a weird mix. It's, it's kind of like an island in the middle. I've spent a lot of time there, so I'm, or around it. So it's a definitely a different feel. But I mean, what are the biggest challenges that marketers in general in the cannabis space face? Even if I just mentioned them, please restate because I want to see if that's still an issue or not. Yeah, you definitely touched on some of the issues that are still plaguing the industry. I guess at this point, you know, it's, there's movement. So let's talk about advertising, for example. So yes, if you are a cannabis brand, technically, you can try to submit ads, you can be creative with what words and terminology you use. Some of the heavy hitters, of course, though, that you can't use or your ad will explicitly get pulled down are things like CBD or hemp, which to further emphasize, this plant is federally legal. This plant is federally legal. It is legal for me to sell to consumers. It's legal for consumers to consume as long as it is dry from industrial hemp and contains less than 0.3% THC. Now, there are some state-to-state -state laws that do vary, and I think that that's part of you know, why I think some of these platforms are being as strict as they're being because while it's legal, there's not a lot of regulation to this industry. And so it creates this gray area for both marketers and brands, as well as consumers to try to navigate. And so 
Yeah, right now you have platforms like Facebook that if you put an ad up, you're saying words like hemp or CBD or cannabis, it's going to explicitly get pulled down. However, what I have seen be successful, you know, there's definitely workarounds. I've seen brands who have set up a separate account, made an account that let's say is more fitness or wellness general. And then they're posting their pictures very clearly of their CBD oil products. They're not using the word CBD, hemp, or cannabis. They're using more like, use this tincture and it will help make you, you know, have your better recovery from your workout. And so they're able to- That's still highly problematic though. Yeah. It's problematic, but I'm seeing these ads get pushed through. And so I think you're just seeing where there's some creak- crack in the door opening a little bit. And so brands are able to get through. But the flip side of that is that's very expensive and time consuming to go set up those ads for them to potentially get pulled down. So for example, me as a brand, I don't do Facebook ads because I don't want to mess with it. I think you really have to get back to basic marketing tactics and techniques when you're getting into cannabis, because again, going back to regulations, I can't really explicitly say using CBD as the example, what somebody's experience with CBD is going to be. So as a marketer, you have to basically explain very vaguely what this product can do without actually explicitly stating this product could be used for pain, sleep, anxiety, which anybody who's listening is welcome to go Google, you know, what are the benefits of CBD? But I think as a brand, brands are, you know, have to be extra cautious with what words and terminology they're using in their content adverts. To further add some, you know, chaos to it, let's talk about Texas. Texas, as of August 2nd, banned the sale of smokable hemp products. They said you cannot purchase smokable hemp products in a retail setting. It's not illegal for consumers to possess and consume in the state of Texas. It's just illegal for brands to sell it in the state of Texas. Now, when you actually look at the law, the way that it's explicitly written gives favor and opens the the conversation up to you can sell smokable bud, but you have to call it non-smokable and you have to sell it as something for you know tea or baking or herbs. You can't explicitly say, again, what this product is used for, even though most people know consuming cannabis through smoking is the, is the fastest, quickest, most effective way to consume it. Now, as a marketer in Texas, I have to get creative and basically market a product to a consumer saying, here's loose bud. Before August 2nd, I could have sold this to you as smokable. I now can no longer have that conversation. I sell non-smokables. It's tea or for baking and whatever you want to do with it, you can do with it. And so I think, again, there's workarounds that brands in the space are having to be thoughtful and creative of, but it's also just a, a reality check of where the industry is. Part of why this law is changing this way is because of the unregulation and they're striving for regulation. So as they're pushing towards regulation, they're trying to put some stop gaps so that people can understand the law. So it's not perfect, but I do think we're making progress, but it's definitely making uh, marketers and brands jobs harder in the space for sure. Well, so I have a question with the hemp. So I'm at your website and, uh, okay, so the CBD hemp buds, like, man, that looks like some sticky, icky weed. Is it because you, I mean, I can't tell the difference. Like, I mean, if you put that right in front of me right now, I'd be like, dude. So, I mean, here's the thing. Is that, is that why? Is it because you can't tell the, I mean, literally, I can't tell the difference. Like, No, that's a hundred percent. That's the problem. Okay. So, I mean. That's the problem. Imagine this is being From a regulation standpoint. Okay. Yeah. Imagine this being put in the mail. Is this marijuana? Is this pot? Or is this hemp? And so to kind of back up just briefly to give people some perspective, hemp is federally legal. Hemp is high CBD, low THC. Again, less than 0.3%. 
weed, marijuana, pot is going to be high in THC, you're now seeing strains push into 22, 27, 29% THC, which to contrast the weed of like the 1970s was at like 7%, 9% THC. So the more you push the THC aspect, the less CBD is present in, you know, the pot plant. And so everything that we sell is dry from industrial hemp. That's what's legal. But just like you articulated, you look at it, you don't know what it is. And so I think when you're looking at a federal perspective, as well as a state perspective, everybody's just trying to understand it. And so again, kind of from a Texas, Texas, you know, uh, filter, our law enforcement doesn't know what to do with this because marijuana is not legal in Texas, but now hemp is legal. Our lawmakers and policymakers are like, wait, this is confusing. And this looks like this other thing. And to most people who don't know the difference, it's, it's really hard to tell without proper testing and testing is expensive. And so I think you just have a lot of excitement and, and progress in the market, which is good, but what consumers don't realize is the industry is in such an infant stage that it's just trying to catch up to the excitement and demand. And that's where we find ourselves. I, I would, and I'm not being an apologist for the state of Texas, but the state of Texas, Arizona, New Mexico, California, they all have specific challenges bordering Mexico um, where a lot of stuff comes over the border illegally. And I used to live in New Mexico and Man, it's like it's kind of crazy. Like there's some like, I mean, uh, okay, go down to El Paso. There's some wild west shit going on there still in 2020. And, you know, and then and one of the and once again, not being an apologist, but everything does kind of have some rhyme or reason on some levels. And, I, you know, one of the things and I've been such a follower and I'm, I'll, I'll be outward and say, like, I'm all for the the decriminalization of cannabis. I mean, largely because I think it's a drain on Okay. You can sell more or spend less as a business. And we put a lot, we spend a lot of money and resources uh, trying to, with the prohibition of this. And it's, it's really expensive as a society. And guess what? It hadn't made any progress because half the country smokes weed. So whatever. But now with that, uh, for one of the things that's been interesting as I followed this over the last 10 years is, you know, the, it, it's always an interesting dynamic when the people that have to enforce something and then you change the law. So like, think about it. If you're like on the enforcement side, like suddenly you're like kicking down someone's door and now you're like, what the fuck? You know, so there's probably and like you said, it, I mean, it really does have that appearance that, that would be, you know, like I said, it's it's different. So that, uh, you know, I have a friend, uh, one of my friends from high school had it has a owns a business similar to yours in Kansas and Kansas is not progressive at all. Let's just get that out there at all. We probably will be like one of the last five States to legalize this shit uh, if they do. And uh, he, they, they actually, the, um, the city that he's in uh, raided his shop because they had smokable hemp and he went through a long drawn out ordeal. I'm talking about a six figure loss and legal and they ended up dropping the charges against him. And it was kind of fucked up. I mean, it really was because it just seemed like, and you know, like I said, regardless of which side of the fence you're on, I mean, they, there were, what he was doing wasn't illegal. Um, but you have like a gung ho, uh, uh, law enforcement side or anything. And, and you know, that's the thing It's it's just very muddy and challenging. So, okay. So the advertising is clearly still an issue. And anytime you're saying, Hey, we have to do a workaround or something like that. I mean, that's not, that's not uh, the solution. That's, 
putting a band that's treating symptoms and not the cause. A hundred percent. I wish as a business owner, I had access to the tools that other small business owners have to get their business up and running just to dive in really quick, even on that front, you know, you have advertising, you have banking, you have payment processing. I have a retail store and an e-commerce store. And I want to just be able to transact and take people's money for a product that is federally legal and state legal. But yet at every one of these points, I have potential pushback. And so it's really, you know, comical. I think, um, you know, Cannabis to me is one of those industries that ages you really quickly. And so while we've been in business for two years, I feel like I've been around the world a dozen times. I've kind of been through all the entrepreneurship. (laughs) That's That's entrepreneurship. entrepreneurship. I actually posted on Facebook yesterday. I said, based on the dog years ratio, how many entrepreneur years old are you? And, you know, some people are like, I'm fucking eternal. You eternal. Know? I, I feel it. I, by the I, way, that that's never going to go away. You don't get that never goes away. No, uh, I'm, I'm excited it. for it. Yeah. I'm gritting into it. It's just one of those realizations. I think you're kind of talking about a little bit, you know, how do you become a master of this? How do you become an expert of this? What can people learn from this? It's, I've just been so steeped in it and I continue to steep myself in it. I continue to have conversations. I mean, I had a guy yesterday reach out to me. He's like, Hey, I heard you could help. I have problems with my payment merchant. Uh, I've been in the queue. I haven't heard back from them for 10 weeks. I'm like, guess what, buddy? I applied to 12 plus different payment merchants, got turned down by 10 of them, ultimately found the, you know, a good one that works with my, my brand model, my business model. And that's just to your point, entrepreneurism, that's just the name of the game. But I do think that uh, it's not for the faint of heart. And so just kind of doing as much research as you can to make sure what you are getting into, not to scare people away, but like really, I think building a good foundation for your business is really key to success. So it sounds kind of, you know, maybe archaic to think about that. But in cannabis, you can't afford not to think about how you're going to transact people's money, how you're going to get your brand out there. And then another thing to kind of layer on top of it, which to kind of call it out, which is the problem I see in the industry right now, everybody has dollar signs in their eyes and they're going to launch CBD brands. And, you know, there's a billion CBD brands out there. You have to do something different. And so I think where marketers can really start to have some sort of differentiation in the market is to really figure out what their brand differentiator is. Because when you look at it, CBD is CBD. Yes, you can add certain ingredients. Yes, you can put a little different you know, label on the bottle. But really, what is that total brand story? How are you bringing that product to market? And how are you really educating consumers? Because so much of it is wrapped up in is this legal? Is this not legal? Is this pot? Is this not pot? Is this going to make me stoned or not? And so I think those are a lot of things that marketers just need to be ready to deal with. All questions I ask myself every morning, Shada. Every morning. I'm not alone. Good. Glad. <laughs> I'm just, I, I'm joking. I, maybe more in the late afternoon, I ask myself those questions. It, so that said, all right, there are some things like, okay, so you have a very nice website, go to restartcbd.com, very effectively presented. Now, um, you know, I consider, I, I consider myself to be a content marketer, anything from this podcast to the daily blog article that we publish at fullscale.io, which by the way, today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Now, 
you know, I would think that that would be something, well, you can certainly publish your own content through your own website, Google and other search engines are still going to, are going to find that. So I would think that from now, now here's the thing is I think that people don't understand content marketing. I talked to too many people. They're like, yeah, I tried. I, I did like three articles in my blog. I'm like, okay, you're like 297 short. Like, so, you know, there are, you know, like I said, the, while you might not be able to get a paid ad, you get And if that's the case, you're going to have to force yourself to adapt. Like you, what's the name of your podcast? Let's go ahead it's and called, shout that out. Thank you so much. It's called to be blunt, the cannabis podcast for okay. marketers. There you go. And that's clearly out there. It's not, no one's suppressing that, that we're aware of. Um, that's you can, right. and so I, I mean, I would think that the, you have a golden, opportunity when it comes to content marketing in this space. And, you know, here's the thing is when you do content marketing, you need to look at these things as digital assets. And, you know, we have articles. I'm also the founder of gigabook.com. We have some articles that we wrote in 2015, five years ago, people that still get significant traffic to the site and people still sign up as users because of it. So, you know, that is something that you can control. And, you know, rather than trying to give your money to Facebook or Google, like invest it in your own digital properties. Now, in order to do that, you're going to have to have some subject matter expertise and you're going to have to offer some value, but there's a lot of, and with that, I would caution some of you because some of this, you remember, you don't want to be in the business of giving medical advice unless you're a doctor. Um, that's a bad thing or legal, you know, like we, it, it, you'll hear me give disclaimers about that before we mention stuff. And I will just say that's probably a good idea, but you can easily put a disclaimer in there, you know, say like, and, and I, I would think that there would be a lot of opportunity to build your brand around that. Are there people that are embracing that philosophy? Yeah, I would say you hit the nail on the head in terms of the opportunity that's out there. And I think it's something that my, so my co-founders are actually my sister. So we're a family brand and my sister and I are actually content creators. Aside from running our brand, we have, you know, personally each about 20,000 followers and we've used our individual platforms as content creators in that regard to one cross market and promote our restart CBD brand. But that also gave us the confidence, I think, creating content as a content creator, working with other types of brands, which I think to kind of, you know, to your point, especially to my point, I'm a marketer, I have a degree in marketing, but I don't love, you know, advertising, I don't personally love getting into the nitty gritty of SEO, but I love creating content. So I think as a marketer, it's finding out what your, your sweet spot is, and then also kind of looking to other areas that you can maybe hire or incorporate. And so to kind of bring the point around on the website too, website is content that you own, you can control what goes on your website. I think where people might have a a curious, maybe like, oh, I didn't know that moment is because cannabis is still cannabis, you can't always confidently be selling on every platform that you could have a website on. So for example, if you were, let's say, a brand who had a retail only location, you could have your website on maybe Wix or Weebly or Squarespace and it'd be fine. But because my products are being sold on my website through an e-commerce platform. I might want to look at a platform like Shopify or BigCommerce or WooCommerce through WordPress. Here's the problem. Platforms like Shopify are closed platforms. And recently, up until maybe a couple months ago, if you were caught selling CBD on their platform, they would just shut your site down. So you're talking about all these assets that you own. Because I come from WordPress, I just already knew... Um, 
you know, I came from the WordPress hosting world. I just already knew that I wanted to be on open source. I knew what the benefit to that was, but further was that reinforced when I decided that I really wanted to go and actually operate an e-commerce store. So now if something were to be controversial, if I'm selling a certain product, nobody's going to pull my content down. And I've just heard horror stories of brands in the cannabis space who are operating on some of these closed platforms. They're creating all this content. They're creating all this, uh, you know, assets for their brand. And then Shopify pulls them down and then there goes all their content. And then good luck fighting to try to get it back. You're seeing the same happen on Instagram, on Facebook. Yes, these platforms maybe prohibit you even from advertising, but I do think it gets really dicey when you're creating content. I've had my content get flagged on Instagram on my personal independent account because I posted some pot leaves and it said, this is inappropriate content, Instagram flagged this. And so it's just a really real fear. Yes, content is something that you own in theory and you should absolutely want to create it. But I do think that depending on what content you're creating, if it's very explicitly cannabis friendly disclaimers or not, you do have to be mindful. And so again, as a marketer, these aren't really blatant conversations that are happening. So it's really by trial and error. It's by me seeing multiple friends accounts get pulled and shut down, seeing multiple friends accounts, websites getting taken offline. And those are really real experiences that are happening in the industry right now. Well, there's a reason for all the companies that you mentioned that were flagging stuff. They're publicly traded. And yes. um, that's that's part of the issue. So yeah, as a publicly traded company, you have to abide by certain things. Like you don't have a choice. Like you can literally like it's you can be in deep shit. And one of the things that's been interesting about the cannabis industry is so many public publicly traded companies are sitting on the outside looking in. Uh, and that's because, once again, to trade federally uh, to have securities and, you know, sell stock and do that and do so publicly, right. you can't be involved in anything that is considered federally illegal. So, uh, that's, that's why Facebook, should, I mean, that's the why behind it. And I, you know, I, I don't even want to get into whether that's right or wrong, but that is the why. So it's a hundred percent the why. You look at something like Shopify and, you know, the thing is, is there they have a legal department somewhere that's saying, look, we are if we let this go and this gets crazy and we're not we're not looking as if we're doing anything about it, then technically regulators could come and shut our whole platform down and they could say that we're aiding and abetting and in crime. Uh, so that's that's where that that comes from. I mean, that's the why of it. And then, honestly, until. Until some changes occur on the federal and the regulatory level, that's probably going to continue to be the case. And you look at all these companies, too, that um, are publicly traded. They can't really get into the space. Now, one of, one of the, eventually they will just give up. The U.S. will just give up and they'll be like, all right, fine. All right. So now that said, that's going to create a completely different type of opportunity for marketer, marketers and brands. Because in my opinion, what's going to happen is you open this floodgate and um, you mentioned earlier, you said something that I, so I've had a lot of people over the last five years, uh, approach me about, oh, uh, giving them advice, uh, or wanting investment, or in some cases offering me advisory roles related to businesses in this space. Um, and that hap that's, it's not that I'm an expert in it. It's the, the expertise in business. And, you know, one of the things, well, first off, I've turned them all down because of that regulation and the fact that that could be restricted of, of me doing bit my company doing business with other companies because if I want to do business with a publicly traded company they usually have diligence or different things and they'll have a checkbox that says do you provide services to anybody that 
does this, 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 or this, and I have to be able to say no. Now that said, um, some of this, and, and you identified this earlier, there's, uh, you know, the, when it comes to a substance like CBD, that's, okay, you can grow really good weed or you can grow ditch weed and people can tell the difference, but when you extract the actual chemicals, they are what they are. And those are molecules and atoms and they don't change a whole lot. And I've told a lot of people, I said, I think this is all about that. They're like, okay, people that want to grow. And I'm like, okay, what do you know about farming? And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, you're trying to open a fucking agriculture business, dude. You're talking about growing plants on a commercially viable level, what do you know about agriculture? And they're like, well, uh, I'm like, that's what I thought. You got to think about what you're getting into here. And then on many levels, like talk to the people that want to make different products. Now, I think that is actually probably the path to riches in this industry, because if you cr create a brand that has a value and has a following, when the, when some of this regulations lifted, those are going to be the first thing that these companies come in and want to acquire because they're because they'll have the ability to make the product. They'll have the ability to do all of it. But the brand recognition and and uh, and, you know, the the loyalty that people have to that will. And then on some levels, you'll have a distribution model like there's companies in Colorado that have 20, 30 locations. Those will be the first companies that are going to get big fat offers because that's a that's a that's a distribution channel and a supply chain that is pretty large and then that's going to put some pressure on mom paws and different stuff like that but overall i mean i mean that's just my opinion i don't know i, might, I may be right i may be wrong but and, and you know honestly i don't live in a state where i'm exposed to this now when i go out to colorado and go to red rocks and see concerts or something like that i'm like wow so you got billboards and, and, you know, like I just, I mean, I, and I, I think it's funny. I literally remember that I want, I've always wanted to walk into a store and buy pot. And I did when I went out, when I was out there like a few years ago, I was like, holy shit. This, so that's what it's like. And it was really uneventful. You know, it was like some dude checked my ID, even though I'm clearly over 21 and, you know, make a purchase and like leave. Like going to Walgreens. Yep. So, it was like, so that could be really easy. Now, on the flip side of that, too, though, it also made me realize that on some levels, and for those of you that aim to be dispensary owners, that's headed towards the same path of owning a liquor store. Um, it's a similar, it's a similar everything. I mean, it's, it really is. And so I've had people there, they said, well, I want to open a dispensary. And I'll ask, I'll say, would you be interested in owning a liquor store? Like, what do you mean? I'm like, it's similar. It's similar. It's going to be, it's kind of on, it's not even on the same level because liquor stores are everywhere, but that will, you will eventually see that on some level. So that's where I think the marketing and the branding and the separation differentiation are important because on some levels, like you're, you look, people, I get it. You like weed, you like cannabis and you want to form a business around that. But you get, you got to realize what you're getting into. It's like the people that, that will open a brewery. I'm like, okay, you're still competing with Budweiser. And okay, well, my beer's better. I get it. I agree. But these are megacorps. These are like, these are the big people and they can shut you out if they want to. They just literally say, don't stock that to some distributor and you lost all your business. So yeah, there's a, there's a lot of issues and things you got to get through. Now, when you're talking about marketing in the cannabis space, I mean, what are, what are some, what's some of the best advice that you give to people about how to approach everything? 
I think you outlined a lot of the key points that I usually share with people. And it's really having a solid brand and thinking through also how you're going to get your product to market. I don't think there's one bad path, but again, kind of, you know, expressing our specific path, we are direct to consumer. I do not wholesale distribute. I'm very strategic in partnerships that I leverage for my brand. And I choose to sell through my website and my retail location. I realize not everybody listening, not every brand in this space has those desires or has the financials to do that model. And I think that there's, you know, different hurdles that each path presents itself. But I think when you are looking at, you know, so for us in Austin, we launched the brand because we saw an opportunity to tell our story. And in a in a market, in an industry where cannabis is so stigmatized and demonized, we saw an opportunity to help normalize it. We're females, we're young, we're, you know, successful in terms of like, you know, I had a good corporate tech job, but those things, you know, don't match up to what somebody thinks a cannabis consumer looks like or is. And so for us, when we founded our brand, it was really like, how do we help normalize this plant and who is our target consumer base and how do we get our products to them? So like good millennials, we thought, hey, let's be online. We went online first, uh, not realizing all these challenges that you and I have just kind of addressed, you know, advertising, getting payments, getting a right processor, being on the right platform. Uh, while we were making what I believe to be smart choices or the best choice at the moment, it still wasn't necessarily, you know, it, it just the industry is so changing that it wasn't the only option. And so now I can kind of reflect back on that period and say, I'm really glad that we did what we did the way that we did it. But if I would have done it over again, I would have had a little bit more insight into that foundation of the business. Like, what am I trying to do? Who am I trying to market to? And so it really just is kind of looking at who are you? What do you want to bring to market? How do you want to take it to market? And so because of who we are with our experience around branding, we thought, hey, let's tell our story. So I think storytelling is really key kind of as an extension of branding. I think having something that people can relate to. So going from online, we were actually online first and then went into retail because we saw from the people that we were engaging with that they had questions and that they wanted answers. And so we felt if we could position ourselves just by taking a corner of an Austin market and saying, hey, if I can make my community feel more confident about this product, maybe there really is a business opportunity here. And so I don't know if there's you know one path to the top. I certainly don't really personally believe that, but I think people want the quick fix, right? And so it's just kind of getting their heads oriented to you really have to dig into all these different facets again. How, what is your product? Who is your product for? Because at the end of the day, CBD is CBD. Like you said, it's going to be a commodity like licorice. Everybody's going to be able to go purchase it. And so you really have to kind of think through how do you create difference for your product to stand out while also navigating what limited tools you have to actually execute on that brand promise and message. You know, I think one of the things you have going for you, if you want to be marketing in the space, is there's a lot of people, anytime you're marketing about something that people are passionate about, um, it makes the job a lot easier. Uh, I'll give you an example. As, uh, well, a, a, a non-example is as we were building Gigabook, uh, people were like, what are you doing for social media? I'm like, not much. Like, well, you got to. 
Like, it, do you know how hard it is to make a appointment booking platform go viral? Like, I mean, people don't give a shit about that. Now that said, with there are things that people are really passionate about. And people always joke, they're like, okay, when you look at Facebook, what are the things that get the most likes? It's like, kids, kittens, you getting married. Um, music is a big one. Politics, re religion, cannabis. Uh, you know, there's just so many things, sneakers, uh, fashion. Um, you know, we've worked with sneaker brands and it just blows my mind, like how, how much adoption they get just from like posting a pair of Jordans or something. I'm like, dude, like, but you know, if think, there's things that people identify with and they feel, uh, very passionate about. In this case, there's, you know, people that, that are in my age range that, you know, like this has not been legal for 70% of my life in most places. And so there's anytime people feel slighted or there's some level of persecution or unjustness, then they jump on even more. So with your marketing campaigns in this space, I would really recommend, like I did earlier, create some content, you know, you can, you can, uh, and if you don't know how, just start trying. Uh, if you have any phone, any modern smartphones, like a movie studio, it's got a 4K camera in it. And, you know, if you have a Mac, you have video production built in and, and audio production and all that stuff. You know, start a podcast, write a blog. There's a, a whole lot of stuff that you can do. And the one thing that can and will help your brand is to become a subject matter expert. Now, if you want to do that, you're going to have to be prepared to offer some kind of value. You know, you can't, uh, uh, people are probably aren't going to listen to your podcast about cannabis if they get to episode 15 and you're just still bitching about the exact same thing. Um, I mean, it's just the way it goes. So you got to talk about problem solutions and, and, you know, even though while you might not be getting what you want, you know, address how that could change and, and different stuff. Anytime you offer, uh, put yourself in a position of helping other people get what they want or stuff like that. But at the same time, you need to be ready for backlash because there's a lot of people that aren't sharing your opinion. So that's going to make things harder. Like when you say your image has been flagged, that's because someone clicked it as inappropriate content and it is what it is. So, you know, it's, and this is a, and this is an industry and a topic where you're not going to just walk right down the middle of the, the middle of the road. Cause it's, it's not, it's pretty binary. I mean, you're, I mean, then there's some people who just don't care, but that's also on the side of support in many ways. It's not, not caring. is not prohibition. I mean, there's, right. there's a big difference there. So, you know, just be ready for that. And, um, you know, and it is what it is now, you know, like I said, as, as uh, you hit a couple of things, you're like, we're young, we're women. Okay. So play that. Like, that's where you're at. Speak to your audience. And, you know, like there, I don't know, I would be willing to bet there's probably like a 75 year old woman out there somewhere that's like the voice of cannabis for the elderly. That's right. You know, like, I, I'm sure there is because that's someone that's doing a great job of marketing. But the thing is, is people want to look for guidance. And there's so much, you know, like I said, like we were joking earlier, the hemp looks just like really good weed. Well, it's different. It doesn't hemp doesn't get you high. But I think there's a lot of people that just don't really know what who to listen to. So there's a, you know, and, and especially, you know, that's getting more and more difficult, um, like who, what, where and why to listen. So make yourself a trustable source of information and just try to help people understand, you know, what you've learned and why you know it and why you feel that way. And don't be afraid to um, to expose yourself in some regards about the things you don't know, you know, and it's, it's I, mean, I do that on this show all the time. Sometimes, I, you know, I get some 
guy on here that's a, a artificial intelligence uh, programming engineer somewhere. And I'm like, okay, dude, so I'm just going to play the role of the dumb guy. Cause I am in this conversation and that's okay. And you know, that's, but that provides value. Cause I think a lot of people listening, they're, they're in that same boat. They're like, I don't know anything about this. Like, let's talk about it. So, okay. So we end our episodes of startup hustle with what we call the founders freestyle. And I'll, I, and it is normally a freestyle, but I'm going to, sometimes I ask, I guide specific questions. I think this is very topical in your case. Um, what what's the uh, what's the best advice you could give a founder in general for the cannabis space right now? Not just marketing, but in general. So my favorite piece of advice that I still practice to this day too is focus on one person. And I think as a marketer and as an entrepreneur, you have you know growth as part of your DNA, and so it sounds kind of counter productive or counterintuitive rather. But I think if I can just focus on one person, you're talking about, you know, how are we marketing and having these differentiating points for our brands. And I think if you can just focus on one person in the audience who is benefiting from the content that you're creating, the brand that you're building, the product that you're launching and make it for that person and make sure that that person is confident with what you're creating. They understand what your product does. You can empower them. That person has a network. And so I'm a really big believer of kind of like the power of one-to-one is really how you grow the network. It's um, something that we practice in our business. Like I said, every day, I just think about, you know, I have certain customers that come to my mind and I think they're going to really love this video that I made, or they're going to really like this new product, or they're going to really like this post. And when you can kind of think through it at that level, I think it really is empowering and free to not get hung up in the, how am I going to make sure everybody likes this? And how am I going to get all these followers and growth and all these customers? And so just kind of start slow and grow from there. Uh, I'll offer some advice from, from the perch that I've been observing all this for is I think if you're going to be a founder in this space, you need to prepare for turbulence um, because you're operating in a controversial space. And like I said, I don't, I'm not going to sit on one side of the opinion or another, but here's the thing. It is what it is. And you not wanting it to be that way is letting hope be your strategy. And that's, and, and so we say prepare for turbulence, uh, that comes from a number of things. You've got regulatory issues. You've got constrainment, the things that are just constraining what you want to do. And here's the thing is at some point, this is very likely to change so much on a federal level because the government will eventually get smart and figure out it, they leave so much money on the table. They want to fill if they want to close up the national deficit, they should grow weed and sell it because honestly, they'd probably take care of it in about a month. Now, here's the thing that that probably will happen at some point. Uh, they're trying to figure out how to deal with that. At that point, you've got a shitload of competition, which is a, which is in the category of turbulence. So you got to be ready for any of that. Um, you know, there are things that are stable and predictable, and then there's things that are moving really fast. In early stages of of many industries, they either are at a, like creeping slow or rocket ship fast, and you should be prepared for both of those. And that means like, just, you know, don't over leverage yourself. Don't put yourself in a position of that. You know, it's not, I mean, Darwin proved it's not the strongest and the smartest. It's those that have the best ability to adapt that survive. So, I mean, I just thought, you know, I, I've given that same advice to a lot of people that have asked about the space. And I mean, it's a booming industry and it's going to grow even faster. But with that, it's, going to attract some interesting stuff. So just be ready for that. All of that said, I'll see you next time. Thanks for having me on the show.
Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. Like we do it.